I truly and 100% see you, and I am telling you right now, you are smart, you are capable, you are creative, you are special, you are worthy, you deserve the best. Now that is your new baseline. So you don't get to think anything less than I think of you. Welcome to the Art of Speaking Up, a podcast that empowers professional women to rise. I'm your host, Jessica Guzik, and in this show, I take you undercover into the stories and lessons that I learned, sometimes the hard way, throughout my career. I also talk with working women, leaders, and coaches to show you that no matter what your struggle is and no matter what your career goals are, you already have all the talent that you need to succeed. Welcome to season three. We are back and I don't know if you can tell, you can probably tell from my voice, I am extremely excited. The break was great, but I really miss the show and it is so good to be back. Thank you for being here and for tuning in and for sticking with the show. I am so excited to kick off this season with today's interview. Today's guest is a listener of the show. She discovered the show by chance, I think, and she reached out to me and Some of what I was sharing was really resonating with her and things that she had been through. And it became clear after connecting with today's guest that she and I are both really passionate and excited about and interested in this idea of mindset and this idea of our relationships with ourselves and how our relationships with ourselves can grow and improve over time so that we can feel more strong and we can feel more confident and so that we could show up in challenging situations, bringing everything we have instead of bringing a smaller version of ourselves that questions ourselves and that is so hard on ourselves. Instead of bringing that version, we can show up with strength and we can push ourselves to do difficult and scary things. And that is what this conversation is all about. It's about being bold. It's about having courage. And it is about learning to push ourselves to show up with as much bravery as we possibly can. Today's guest, Tammy, just delighted me. She is so special, and it was so much fun to chat with her, learn from her, and hear a bit more about her experiences. She has had a very interesting career, lots of success in the corporate world, so lots of wisdom to share with anyone who works a nine-to-five and is trying to grow and progress. I'm going to get straight in so you can hear her talk about her career journey and what she does, and I will catch you at the end. So my name is Tammy Lyon, and I call myself a creative strategist. So I help organizations and executives align and elevate their people and their processes and their programs so that they can kick ass. It looks different depending on who I'm working with. Sometimes it could be an entrepreneurial CEO who's having trouble getting people to execute on their vision, what they really mean. Or it could be an organization that is just kind of stuck in their mindset and they need some creative solutions to do things differently. My career path has been bizarre to say the least. I guess I've had some very cool, sexy kind of jobs starting in college when I lifeguarded and ran a pool. Like that seems like a pretty cool thing, right? When you're young. And then I worked for Macy's doing special events and public relations in um, the Northern California version of the same department that puts on the parade. 
So that's pretty cool to meet with lots of celebrities and get to do fashion shows and all of that kind of glamorous stuff. And then from there, I took over, married into a business that's a snow sports business. So I did not know how to ski, but was thrown into running a ski school. And I guess some people think that being a ski bum is pretty cool too. So that's what I've done a lot of. And then from there, I worked as chief of staff to a CEO in a startup company, which was absolutely phenomenal. And then my most recent job was doing communications and organization operations for a corporate team building company. Wow. You've done so many things. This is so cool. I'm very excited to dig into your learnings and some of your experiences. When you and I chatted at first, you said you were kind of going through this period in your life of building strength and empowerment. And I would love to hear more about that and what you've been working on and building within yourself. My awakening. I call it my awakening. <laughs> yeah, <I'm> so excited <laughs> yeah. <to> hear. <laughs> I know. It's crazy. Well, it started a number of years ago, and I didn't realize it had started, but I seem to have kind of reached this magical tipping point where everything is now just all coming together and all of these walls are breaking down and my whole how I see myself and how I see the world has completely changed. If I was to describe how I got there and what brought me to this is um, I am a recovering perfectionist. That's what I'm going to say. I'm a recovering perfectionist. And um, more than that, I seem to have reached professional status in the world of perfection. (laughs) So I was not just a regular old perfectionist, but I was super good at it. And it's kind of embarrassing to say, but it was not that long ago that I actually thought that you could be perfect. Like I truly believed that. So I mentioned we have a family business. It's a snow sports school. And on our first day of lessons for the first of the season, I would have 500 students and two parents per student and their siblings and the snow and my 100-person staff and all of these moving pieces. People need to get there. They need to get to their class. They need to be in the right class. As you can imagine, it's just exponential. And I literally swear to Buddha I really thought I could do it perfectly. Like I could have a very perfect first day where nothing would go wrong. (laughs) And it took me probably 20 years of doing the job until I had tweaked every possible thing that I could think of tweaking. And I realized, oh, wait a minute. I can't have a perfect first day. That can't happen. And I was like, oh my gosh, I have spent all this time and energy trying to do this thing that's impossible. And I know it sounds silly, but I wholeheartedly believe that if you just tried hard enough, you could do things perfectly. That was my first awakening. Then my next one was that I started to notice that I was getting performance anxiety. And I'd always had it because if you're a perfectionist, you just trying to always do things right. So anytime you're evaluated or anytime you put yourself in a situation where you can be evaluated, it adds a lot of stress and pressure. But it had come to the point that my strengths, I couldn't draw on my strengths anymore. For instance, in grad school, I taught public speaking, and public speaking is something that I can do, and it's one of my strengths. And I no longer could public speak. I would be called upon to give an answer, and I would just have total anxiety, start getting sweaty, couldn't keep my thoughts in my head, all the rest of it. And so I thought, uh uh-oh, Maybe this perfection thing isn't serving me if now I can't even get to my strengths. And then I became aware of all the Brene Brown work and the concept of the story I'm telling myself, 
really resonated with me. My background is in communication. That's what my degrees are in. I'm super interested in neurolinguistics and specifically how they relate to high performers. So I believe that our words have power. I believe they form who we are, how we think. Like, I just strongly believe in words. And the thought that I could be telling myself a story and creating a reality that was not serving myself was fascinating to me. And my master's thesis was on clothing, color, and first impressions. So, like, I studied perception. And how did I miss this? I just, I missed it. So, that was big. And then it wasn't until maybe nine months ago I'd ever really dug into what imposter syndrome meant. I'd heard it, but I didn't, I mean, you know the two words, it's not hard to figure it out, but I didn't really know what it meant. And when I realized that my thoughts of what other people thought of me were not real, that was huge. So now I'm telling myself, I'm having both sides of this conversation. I'm having my thoughts, and then I'm having the thoughts that I'm accrediting to whoever I'm speaking to. And if that's the case, why am I thinking the way I'm thinking? Because this is not serving me. And then that made me think about something that my husband shared with me. He was an elite ski racer. He skied on the U.S. ski team, and we work with high-level athletes. And he talked about and has given coaching to kids around idolizing people. So there's always someone who's going to win. And if you give the language that that person is better than you, you have effectively given away your power. Like before you even started, you've decided they're better. So you've already decided that you're not as good. And so that thought clicked into place. And then I think that that was kind of when all those things came together, then I went, oh, okay, perfection is a myth. Wait a minute. This is not right. And then I started really applying it with the athletes that I was working with because it's easier to apply to somebody else before you can apply it to yourself, I think. It's easier to give it away. And I would see these kids who were so amazing and so talented and doubted themselves and were trying to do something that was too perfect. So if you're a ski racer and you try to make the perfect turn every turn, you're actually going to slow down. The fastest person on the course is going to be the person who survives all these linked recoveries, if that makes any sense. They fall or just basically barely don't fall, and that's what's going to be fastest. And that's in no way perfect. Long way to tell you that that's been my journey, that uh, perfection is not serving me and that it, uh, it's lowering self-esteem and it's not bringing out performance. This is fascinating to me because you had multiple moments like the first day of ski school and wanting to control everything and have it go perfect. And then those other moments in your career and your life where you realized, oh, things are not necessarily as I'm seeing them. It's almost like you realize that the paradigm that your mind has created of how the world is, is not true. Correct. (laughs) And realizing that is huge. And I'm curious, like what that felt like in some of those initial moments where you first had that realization and you were like, whoa, wait a minute. Well, it's like, it's a huge gift, right? It's super empowering because it's not that what I was thinking wasn't real. It was real, but it was just what I was thinking. So that meant if I wanted a different reality, I just needed to think a different thing. So it was just a matter of shifting how I thought about things to create the reality that I wanted. And that, to know that that's all in my control, huh, wonderful. Yeah. It's interesting because in my experience, it hasn't always been easy. Like sometimes I'll get self-awareness before I've really internalized 
how to change. And then that can be really frustrating because I'm like, I see where I'm stuck, mm. but I don't know how to move forward. Mm. Have you ever experienced that? Or was it easy for you to see it and then immediately start to change or shift? So leaning on the work that we've done teaching skiing, we know that when we're acquiring skill, it happens over time and in small segments, right? So we look for like 80% proficiency before we move on to the next level skill when we're teaching someone to ski. So I don't have to reach perfection. Every step where it's just a little bit better, I like to suck a little bit less. That's what we say. Every I just suck a little bit less. That's great. <laughs> oh, I love that. I love that. And that's so closely aligned to how I see the world and what I believe. And I also loved what you said about when you're like taking those turns when you're skiing. And I might not be understanding it totally correctly because I don't know that much about skiing, but it kind of reminds me of times where you actually have to turn off your mind to do better because if you just let yourself be in the moment, like your body, you know what to do. And as soon as you start overthinking it or like worrying about the next thing, in a way you're like, you think because you're worrying or overthinking, you're going to do better. But actually, when you're brave enough to move away from that and trust what's coming in the moment and just trust yourself moment to moment to moment, that's like really when you perform and achieve what you want. Well, and life happens too fast, right? So the minute I have to think through my next move, I've effectively stepped out of life and life keeps going. So you may not ski, but you probably, maybe you played soccer and the game is so fast, the coach on the sidelines can't be yelling directions to an athlete and then be able to process them and make their body work in time to make that play. It just, it doesn't happen that mm -hmm. way. So you have to be able to just give over to what you know, and hang on your latest best achievement. If you're in a time of stress, you're going to go back to the last most secure strength you have, and that's enough. And the, the new things that I'm working on, they're not going to show up in times of stress. They're not going to show up until I've practiced them enough that I have about 80% proficiency, and then they're going to show up, and that's going to be my new baseline. But I just have to be able to recognize that any amount of change is more than enough. The fact that I'm changing is phenomenal. I love that. And it's so important because I know like I get impatient and I'm like, okay, I need to like fix everything right now. And as soon as you give yourself permission to go slow, that's actually when you end up going faster. hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. yeah. I've even heard a saying, I can't even remember where, but it was like, go slow to go fast. And I just, I love yep. that so much. Okay. Let's go back to your early career. And I want to ask you, what was challenging for you at the very beginning? Probably the hardest thing was um, I just didn't want to be embarrassed. I just hated being embarrassed or being called out in a public way. And don't think that that's completely gone away because it has not. But failing big and publicly was just not going to happen. So that created a lot of work on my part to, you know, all the work I had to do before the work. So if I was going to come into a meeting with Liz Claiborne to work on a fashion show, I couldn't just come in and just have that experience of that meeting. I didn't want to embarrass myself. So I'd have to go back and study all of the past seasons of fashion and all of the fashion trends. And now I'm in W Magazine and now I'm like so that I could go in and not embarrass myself, so that I could listen and really do something that was completely unrelated to any of these things I was studying. But I didn't want to be embarrassed. And it held me back from making big jumps. It has the great benefit of allowing me to learn a whole bunch of things because I studied really hard. So I hesitate to take any, and I'm not going to use the W word, 
the opposite of strength. <laughs> any areas for growth. Mm -hmm. I hate to take any areas for growth as being less than ideal. Mm. They are actually perfect oh, how they are. I love that. Right? It's funny because like in the work that I do, like the actual work, I feel like I and a lot of times my teams and stuff always use the word opportunities. Opportunities. Right. What are the opportunities? And I like that word. <laughs> yeah. It's way more empowering. I agree. Was there anything, I'm sure there were many things, but can you talk a little bit about how that fear of making a mistake or messing up in front of people, how you got out of that and how you got to a place where you're less afraid to make a mistake in front of people? Yes, there was a very real experience. Um, <laughs> excuse me, because this is going to be a little graphic. <laughs> so um, when you don't want to be embarrassed and you want to do things perfect, the best way to do that is to do it all yourself because you can control that, right? So let's go back to the Liz Claiborne Fashion Show. And now I'm helping this store department manager to promote their department. We're trying to bring in sales. So we're having this fashion show. And of course, it's their department. They know the merchandise. But in my wisdom at the time, I am more the person who should be pulling the looks, who should be prepping the clothes, who should be hiring the models, who should decide the order, who should write the speech, who should commentate. And then the manager of the department, you can just, you know, work your customers. So the day of the fashion show, I get the throw up like 24 hour stomach flu <gasps> and I own everything. I haven't even shared my notes with anybody. So I am literally introducing a look, running backstage and throwing up in a garbage can. Oh my gosh. And at that point I went, okay, this, this could be a problem. This is pretty drastic way to have to learn it. Like <laughs> I'm sure there was much more subtle cues along the way, but that was the moment when I was like, oh, we might need to work with other people to achieve things. That might get us there quicker. What a funny way to like learn the lesson. I feel like you were like knocked over the head with that one. It seems to take that with me sometimes because I'm so intentional. Yeah, I'm the same. I think that we have a lot in common in our inner worlds, which is really funny. I wanted to ask you about something you talked about when we first chatted that like really hit home with me. Uh -oh. You used a phrase called the swamp of confusion. <laughs> and when I heard you say that, I just like, I was like that phrase, I feel so seen. Can you tell me what that is and just talk a little bit about it? The swamp of confusion to me, and I'm stealing this phrase from some training I did with the Professional Ski Instructors of America. So I'm just saying that I don't know who owns the phrase, but I've taken it. I don't know about you, but a swamp is not where I want to go, right? The water's dark. You don't know what's coming. It smells bad. It can slimy. You know, I want to go to a white sand beach with really clear water. Oh, yeah. But the swamp of confusion is where we, we often end up. And it's that spot where we don't know what we don't know. And we're, we're confused and embarrassed and afraid and maybe ashamed and worried and what have you. And now, after the awakening, the swamp of confusion is now something to celebrate. And it's, um, I'm, this is this, my silly story. We were sitting around when my kids were young. They were like, uh, I think my youngest was four, so like four and seven. And we were talking about having trouble falling asleep. And so as you do, you have silly conversations with your kids. And I just said, have you ever thought about counting sheep? And my four-year-old says, oh, I count sheep all the time. And I thought to myself, oh, sure you do, buddy. Yeah, what? whatever. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, really? So when you count your sheep, what are they doing? And he says, oh, they're doing front flips off the diving board. <laughs> and for some reason, that just stuck with me. So now when I see the swamp of confusion, I see myself as a fluffy little sheep doing a front flip off a diving board. 
And now I'm just going to dive into that swamp of confusion because that's the point where all the learning is. That's the point where I actually get closer to this perfection thing that I think I needed to have. Yeah. Start doing your front flips into the swamp of confusion. Yeah. I I really relate to that. I just remember feeling like so much is happening and I'm so disoriented and it's like, I don't know what way is up, what way is down, but there's a difference between just feeling that way and then feeling that way and being very afraid and just wondering if it means something bad or if you should understand it. And that kind of colors the whole experience. And I think if you're able to separate from your inner questioning of like, well, I shouldn't be confused. Am am I not good enough? Am I not smart enough? Then you can actually just like let that all go and be like, okay, what's one thing I can do to make this less confusing? But it's really hard to do that if you're paralyzed by fear that the swamp means because you're in the swamp, you're you're not good enough for your job or you're not smart enough. Right. And it's not true. It's it's one of those stories that we tell ourselves, right? It's not true. Mm-hmm. To reach our highest potential, we have to be able to have kind of a, as my uh, acquaintance, Murmur Blakesley wrote this book called A Conversation with Fear, In the Yike Zone, A Conversation with Fear. And she really talks about how to move past things that scare us, we really have to kind of bust through those limits. We can't do it in a small way. We have to do it in a big way. So you've got to be willing to fail. You've got to be willing to fail. And fail is a big word. So don't be willing to fail. Be willing to learn because that's what it is when you fail. Yes. You're just learning a little something else. That's so true. And I also think, I mean, I'd be really curious to get your perspective as someone who you've gone up in your career and then you've also made switches to new things. And I think I think a lot of times we think like, oh, well, like if I get promoted and I get higher and higher and better and better, then I'm not going to feel the swamp of confusion anymore because I'm going to know what I'm doing and I'm going to be so competent and so good at my job and all these things. But in my experience, and I'm very curious to hear your thoughts, it's kind of, I think it's the opposite. Like I think stepping into leadership requires a hunger and an excitement around being in that confusion and being in these spaces where the direction isn't certain, that's what's needed from a leader. Uh, that's why like that's why it's a hard thing to do. It's not like you go in there and you're like this competent person that knows everything to do and has like this manual and it's just like ABC, follow the directions. Yes. And I see leadership as different than I did when I was young. So when I was young, I was trying to achieve status and I was trying to be perceived as though I had status or I was doing things well. Through my experience and as a leader now, my role as a leader is to serve other people. My role as a leader is to elevate and empower. And guess what? I can do that at any time. I don't have to be a leader to act like a leader right? So the minute I take thoughts outside of myself and I start to apply them to other people, if I'm going to help Jessica have the best podcast she can possibly have, that's the moment when I'm being a leader. I'm not being a leader because I have a podcast. 
Mm. You're a leader because you're empowering other women to be the best they can be. Your vehicle may be this podcast, and it's absolutely amazing that you're doing it, but you're a leader because you're serving other people. I love that definition so much. And I think it's also really important too, because it's just these themes are so tightly connected, but being a good leader, the best leaders aren't so self-focused and they can really look at the people around them, whether it's the employees or the customers or whoever it is, but it's not about them. It's about what's being created. So I deeply agree with that. And I want to talk about self-talk and I want to talk about negative self-talk and positive self-talk. And that kind of goes back to what you were sharing before about how you saw the world a certain way and then you realized that you could just choose to see the world differently. What is your experience of negative self-talk like? Or how do you live this experience of being a bit hard on yourself? And then we'll also move into the positive, which is the more exciting part of this question. Well, I think that one of the things that really helped me is understanding that our thoughts are who we are. Mm. And our words are the outward expression of our thoughts. So you, I did not recognize that there was negative self-talk because it was just me. It wasn't a voice in my head. It was me. It wasn't in any way separate from me because my thoughts and my words are me. They're who I am. Mm -hmm. So I recognized that I was thinking about things negatively or what I would say is I was thinking about things smartly because I was solving problems, right? I could see the problems and things that other people couldn't see. That's why I was successful. No, other people saw those same dang problems. They just didn't focus on them. <laughs> and I'm the dork that's thinking, oh, I'm seeing these exceptional things. Oh, it's going to go wrong there. Oh, I got to fix this. And yes, there's an element of that that makes me good at my job. But ultimately, it's false. Mm. Ultimately, it's just not true. Negative thinking is not serving us. And being able to identify it is hard because it, it feels like it's us. Have you ever read Untethered Soul by Michael Singer? I have not. Okay. So that book really helped me see my negative self-talk differently. Basically, what he says is try to pay more attention to the voice in your head. And then imagine that like that voice is a person who is saying that stuff to you all the time. And so as soon as I personified that voice, I was like, this person is so rude, like the <laughs> rudest person, so mean, so annoying. And it's like, this person is not adding any value, is like pointing out what everyone's doing wrong all the time. And then I was like, oh my gosh, like that can't be me. I'm not like that. That's just in me. And it was almost, I guess, comical how extreme it seemed when I looked at it that way. And I really relate to what you said, which is like not realizing it was there and not even realizing like you're wearing these glasses all the time. And then you take them off for a second and you're like, whoa. <laughs> yeah. So if you're listening and you're not seeing that as in yourself, I bet you can see it in your best girlfriend. Mm -hmm. Right. I bet you hear them talk about themselves in a way that you're like, who are you talking about? That's not the person I know. Yeah. Like you're being mean to my friend. Don't be mean to my friend. You, are, you have more value than that. So if you can see it that way, it only makes sense that you're also doing it internally. Yeah, absolutely. It's hard to let go of, I think, but it can be really powerful. And then I think the flip side of that is positive self-talk. Mm. So I'm like, this is my personal curiosity. Like, I'm curious what other people do for positive self-talk because I have like that negative persona, but I feel like for on the positive side, 
I have like multiple different people. Like sometimes I need a compassionate self-talk that's like, you just need to be gentle with yourself. And right now you need to rest and just not be so hard on yourself. And then sometimes it's more like this like motivational speaker that's like, you can do this. Like, and it's just totally different depending on the situation. But I'm curious what your experience is and how you get yourself into a good space and just what your positive self-talk experiences. You, I think, are amazing because oh, you, you have a skill I do not have. Really? So, oh, completely. Yeah. So for me, um, I'm my, I'm not there yet. I haven't I haven't grown there yet. So for me, positive self talk, certainly in any kind of an intentional way, just takes me right back around the negative self talk loop because it's like, uh, Tammy, you realize you're talking to me. Like I can hear what you're saying, right? <laughs> Like what you're saying, you're being very funny right now. It's like it doesn't, it's not sincere to me because I don't wholeheartedly believe it yet. So what I find I try to do is be who I mean to be. That sounds so weird. So if I'm going to go into a job interview and it's for a C-suite kind of position, when I enter the room, I'm not telling myself, you can do this or don't forget to say this or whatever. I, I just simply think executive presence. I mean to have executive presence. That's who I mean to be. When I'm hosting a party and I'm going to have people over and I'm nervous, I think about how I want to be to them. I want to be gracious. So it's more this whole, like I zoom out, if that makes sense, rather than a real voice inside my head because I'm not there yet. I don't believe it. So it sounds insincere to me. Hmm. That's very powerful though. And I mean, I wonder if it's a question of there yet or a question of linear progression versus more question of our internal processes and kind of like what works for us inside of us, what we connect with emotionally and like a persona I connect with. It sounds like you really connect with like an intention um, or a focus that's very much about like a presence and a feeling state in the moment. Yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. I think you're right. Because there's, again, going back to there's many great ways to do something, Yeah, right? So it's not that we have to do it one way. Or I love what you said about it's not necessarily linear. It's not that I'm not there yet. For me, the word yet is about, there's another word we don't use, which is the C word, the the C-A-N-T word, can't, I can't. Yes, that word. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So I have to say yet, right? So anything that I'm not proficient at, at this current time is my yet. That for me leaves things open for learning versus can't, which just tells myself that I'm not capable. Yes, absolutely. And I think also like curiosity could really help with that too, because it's sort of like rather than I think sometimes when you hear can't inside, it can be hard to be like, no, I can. But Mm -hmm. like, I think sometimes being like, oh, like, what could it look like? Like, can I come up with possibilities or paths to explore if this might be true? And that kind of helps me open up a little bit and and think different. hundred percent. Yeah, I love that. Absolutely. I want to get your take on strengths because I know it's something that's very important to you. And it's definitely, I think, a topic that a lot of people are thinking about. What are your thoughts on strengths and how to uncover them? How to, how to uncover them. That's, that's an interesting concept right there. That has me thinking, do a lot of people spend a lot of time trying to uncover their strengths? I guess they do. 
I think we know our strengths. I think they're pounded into us from the time that we enter school. We live in an evaluative society. So all they do is tell us all the time, we've been told, you're good at math, you're a good organizer, you're a kind person. Like those strengths exist. We actually know what they are. We just maybe are not comfortable listening to them and assigning them to ourselves. We might not want to see ourselves that same way. And strengths, I'm passionate about strengths and about focusing on strengths. And on focusing on our strengths is what is going to move us ahead in the way that we want to go more than focusing on weaknesses, right? So you get that report card that I mentioned from when you're in preschool. And it says, Tammy is a pleasure to have in class. And it says, Tammy needs to listen when the teacher's talking. And we don't spend a lot of time talking about Tammy being a pleasure in the class, but we do spend a lot of time about how Tammy is going to learn to listen when other people are talking, right? (laughs) We break that down and we spend all of our time focusing on how Tammy needs to listen when other people are talking. And what gets lost in that is that Tammy is a pleasure to have in class. So we dilute the strength by focusing on the weakness And if we stay in our strengths and we focus on our strengths and we build on our strengths, the weaknesses are going to be overcome over time. We're going to gain on those. But we need to do it, in my opinion, we need to do it from a place of strength. Mm -hmm. So even if in a work situation I'm put into doing something that that makes me enter the swamp of confusion and I'm not sure how to approach it, I have been told before that I am a good organizer. So, all right. Well, I'm going to organize my way through this because I know I can, I may not understand what they're talking about, but I certainly know how to research and I certainly know how to see patterns and I certainly know how to line things up in categories. So I'm going to lean on my strengths and that's going to make my areas for growth possible. Ah, I love that. As you were talking and then you said the word swamp, I had this like visual come to mind, which is like... This is this might seem strange. Let me know if it makes sense. But you're trying to get from one side of the swamp to the other. And there's like all these lily pads that you let's say you're a frog. Right? You jump from lily pad to lily pad trying to get to the other end. And like some of them you don't want to jump on because those are your weaknesses. But you can choose a path of lily pads that are like, oh, that one there. If I jump from that one to that one, I can skip over that one. And then I can find a way to get to the end. So it's sort of like Yeah. Using all of the good stuff to jump you over the stuff that's hard to get the thing done. That's like kind of how I do it. Oh my gosh. That was so brilliant. That was so brilliant because if if I'm a frog (laughs) and this is hysterical that we're having this conversation, I am not going to go jump on the the thin little sketchy lily pad. There's no way because I don't want to get eaten by the crocodile. Right. So I'm going to stay on those big lily pads that are strong and represent what I do well. 100%. Wow, Jessica, you are amazing. That was so cool. Oh, thank you. Well, I think it's like, I think it's really helpful because I know when I had times like when I was struggling, I think that would have felt to me like I could only see the bad lily pad and I would be looking at it and I would be like, oh no, oh my gosh, like I have to jump on it and I'd be all stressed out. And I think like just being able to see or look and say, is there another lily pad or is there another way? Even if it doesn't look like it's getting you closer, maybe you're jumping to the side or you're jumping back or you're looking around. I think when you're stuck, 
just being able to ask yourself if there's another way where you could use your strengths is very helpful. And it's a good way to get unstuck, I think. Yeah, because there's not just one one way. And, and the direct path may not even be the right path because often when we start a journey, we don't have enough information. We are starting it on limited information and then through our experience, we gain more and that's what needs to direct where we go next. So really, it's a false goal to even think we're going to try to get across that swamp in a straight line as quick as possible. Oh, totally. And then like you might choose all the thick, strong lily pads and then you might have a coworker who's like, I hate the thick lily pads. I like the thin ones. Isn't it great that we have each other? And isn't it great that one thing that one person finds so easy is like someone else doesn't want to do? And that's why we don't have to be good at everything because we can all focus on what we do well. And then the whole can be greater than the sum of its parts. And it opens up the opportunity for me to be good at that. So if you're capable at jumping at that little lily pad, you know, rock on. I'm 5'9". I'm not fitting on a little lily pad. <laughs> yeah. But I can so appreciate that you can. And the fact that you can tells me that it's possible that I could learn to. Yes, totally. Right? So it's just, it's possible. Yeah. There's possibility and strengths. Yeah. And, and if we give the gift to each other of recognizing those strengths and shouting them out at every, every single time we can then we can all live in our strengths. Oh, absolutely. And it can be really fun too. Like even if you know you're never going to like the little lily pads, it can also just be fun to find someone who does and be like, show me this lily pad. Show me how you do this. And you kind of get to see what they do. And maybe you find out you like it or you find that you don't like it. But I think that can be an interesting way also to open your mind and appreciate all of our differences and appreciate that you don't have to be good at everything. Someone else will be good at that. Yeah. Thank gosh. <laughs> right? Exactly. Yeah. It takes off some pressure. It does. Oh my gosh. I love this so much. And now it is time to pivot into the closing questions, my favorite part. And the first of the closing questions is about the title of the show, which is The Art of Speaking Up. And I love to ask every guest to share what that means to them and why they think it's important. I love the title of the show, The Art of Speaking Up. I think it's so powerful. It's such a, it's such a like rock on for choosing that. I, I love no. it. Why is the art of speaking up important or why is speaking up important? And for me, it's simple. Because when we don't speak up, when we have an idea, we make the choice not to share what we think. We are effectively telling ourselves that our thoughts don't matter that we don't matter. So if I don't think, it's a, it's a slippery slope from I don't think what I'm thinking isn't good enough to share becomes maybe I'm not good enough to share what I'm thinking to I'm not good enough really quickly. So please speak up mm-hmm. because each time you make the choice, we make the choice, I make the choice not to speak up, I tell myself that my thoughts don't have value. I tell myself that my perspective doesn't matter. So please speak up because you're worth it and tell yourself that you're worth it by speaking up. Oh, I love that so much. And I'm going to ask you the final question now, my very favorite question. And some context for this question is I started this show because I had a time in my career where things were very difficult. I was very alone and I didn't really have the support that I probably really could have used at that time. And so I started this show to speak to women who might need support or even women who are just looking to feel more empowered and grow in strength. And so I give this last space to the guest to share what 
whatever they might want to share to help and support and show some love for anyone who might be listening right now. Thank you. It's such a gift to have this opportunity. So if I can say something that helps someone else, I will feel like it will make my life. I hope you can feel the love, Jessica, for the gift that you're giving me and um, other people. And so to this question, what I would say is the number one thing that has helped me or empowered me through my awakening is a realization that no one else should have a better impression of myself than I do of me. So no one else should have a better impression of myself than I have of me. So that means that if I hear that I'm organized from someone, I get to wholeheartedly embrace that. And I've actually gone so far, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to welcome anybody to join me in this, this little challenge, that compliments have become my new baseline. So I received some feedback recently that said um, that this person... The thing that stood out about me to them was that I was tenacious. Now, there's a lot of things that I would use as identifiers of who I am, organized, creative, fast thinking, smart, I don't know, whatever. But tenacious was not in there. And I recognize that that's not a word that I use to describe myself. But this person perceived me as tenacious. So now I am tenacious. That is my new baseline. I don't get to say anymore that I'm not tenacious because somebody else saw me as tenacious, which means I am. So for listeners out there, even people beyond your mom, but your mom still counts, (laughs) I know people are telling you that you are great and amazing at all kinds of things. And I'm sitting here and I'm feeling the energy and I'm seeing in my mind all these amazing women and people who are incredible at whatever it is that they do and whatever it is that they are. I truly and 100% see you and I am telling you right now, you are smart You are capable, you are creative, you are special, you are worthy, you deserve the best. Now that is your new baseline. So you don't get to think anything less than I think of you. Oh, I love that so much. And that went right in for me. Thank you so much, Tammy. Thank you for tuning in to the season three premiere. If you've made it this far, I am super happy to be recapping with you at the end of the episode. A very special thanks to today's guest, Tammy. She was incredible. This conversation lit up my heart and I hope it lit up your heart as well. I had so much fun talking with her and I was so excited to kick off the season with my conversation with her. If you are loving the show, the thing that I love most is to hear from you, honestly. Many of you have sent me messages on Instagram just to say hello or to share something challenging that you're going through. And I love getting those messages. It is such a joy to hear from you. It makes me so happy. So please feel free to reach out. And if you love the show and you want to support the show, leave a review in the iTunes store. But if you leave a review, please make sure in your review to include an accomplishment or something that you have done or you have committed to or you have achieved that you want to celebrate because I want to begin giving listener shout outs and celebrating your accomplishments on the show so that you can feel, you know, celebratory and celebrate what you've done. And more importantly, so you can inspire other listeners so we can create this amazing spiral of growth and supporting one another. That is really what I want this show to become and to evolve into and you being a part of it and your courage and your strength and your achievements becoming a part of the show would be so magical. 
magical. So leave a review and share something that you have done. And your review can be anonymous. You can enter anything for your name, but share something that you have done or are doing or are working through that you are freaking proud of because you deserve to be congratulated and I want to be the one to do it because I kind of like doing that, as you will see. Thank you for tuning in. It is a joy to be talking with you. I will catch you next week for the next episode. In the meantime, have an amazing day, have an amazing week, and I'll catch you soon. Bye. Bye.